Hey y'all, I'm your host Shy, and welcome back to another episode on Good Vibes with Shy. It's Motivation Monday where we talk all about the ups and downs of life and jumpstarting our own healing process. If you like what you hear, be sure to tune in weekly, subscribe, and tell a friend. Hey y'all, welcome back. Today on Good Vibes with Shy, we're going to be interviewing Deja and we're going to be talking about the things that she has learned on her healing journey. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So hi Deja, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Thank you for being willing to be a participant on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I wanted to start this podcast because honestly, I tell people I'm in TikTok therapy. Um, My background is in psychology and um, I was a school counselor. Um, And so that is something that I'm interested in. But I felt like, well, I was watching these TikToks that made me feel like I wasn't alone and I was able to get these understandings and realize, you know, other people feel the same way that I do. And this is what they've done. And, you know, I'm working on doing this, too. So I was like, you know what? I'm gaining a lot from learning and hearing other people's stories, so let me go ahead and do this. I I didn't necessarily want the TikTok and putting my face out there so much, but I'm like, I should talk all day, so (laughs) let's get a podcast starting. So tell me me about your healing journey and how it's been and what got you started. Well, I would say uh, one of the biggest ways that I've healed and changed as a person is kind of just relearning myself and my identity and the way that I relate to the world. Like one of, one of the biggest aspects that people see about me today is that, you know, if you look at my page, it's very dedicated to, okay, um, pro blackness. Um, Mm -hmm. what is white privilege? How do people of color function in the world? But I didn't used to be, (laughs) I didn't used to be like that at all. Like, yeah, growing up, I lived in a predominantly black community. Um, I was very sheltered. Like my mom was the type of mom that was like, you got two options. We listening to Radio Disney or Christian radio. Okay, all right. We kind of sound similar, a little bit similar. (laughs) We do? Okay. So like, I I wasn't going outside. I wasn't playing outside with the other kids. I was in my room. The most things really I was getting in trouble for was staying up reading past my bedtime. So I (laughs) Right. So I was just like hella square. So in my school, I felt like, oh, I don't fit in. Like, Mm. I'm not a cool black kid. I'm not. What what were you saying? No, I was just saying, oh, like, that's interesting that you you felt that about yourself. No. Yeah. And this was before I kind of woke up to what the world was. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel this way now. But I was like, oh, my mom doesn't buy me the latest fashions i don't have the the um cute things that the girls wear that uh put them as high status because back when i was in school the girls who were popular the girls who were popping the girls who were in they had the cute acrylics they had the nice ass hair they had the beautiful ass lashes and that was not me i was square as fuck so i didn't really (laughs) like okay i'm not a cool black kid so i have to find my identity in somewhere outside of my blackness as mm-hmm. a concept because I felt like other people saw my blackness as mediocre mm. um I'm, yeah <laughs> so like my identity was more so as a theater kid like oh I love musical theater I love Harry Potter I like to read I'm in these AP classes and as such my friend group was really really diverse like mm-hmm. my two best friends were black um 
out with was mostly just the squares and the theater kids. But then when I got, no, and so I decided like, okay, I'm going to go to K-State. Like, my <laughs> the cool black kids don't fuck with me. I don't know if I would be accepted at an HBCU. And I, people didn't even talk to me about HBCUs. Mm. I didn't even know was think about it as a legitimate option and that's you know crazy because i went to the hbcu that i never that was yeah. not my dream but i'll talk to you about that too but that's crazy because yeah. i went to hbcu get into, it. get into it so what what how did that parallel your experience well the crazy thing is um i grew up with a military background and so i lived okay. all over the world um right. i won't say that i was sheltered but i did have some li- like to an extent, I was sheltered. Like, I could still go places and do things, but it was like everybody was watching Friday, and I wasn't allowed to watch Friday. Everybody was watching right. Blow oh, and Belly, and I wasn't allowed to watch that because that was inappropriate. I shouldn't have been doing those things. You know, there was limits. Certain things that my friends could do, it was like, no, that's too grown. You're not allowed to do that. Uh-huh. Um, exactly. But I grew up, because I grew up living in, like, Iceland, Italy, Japan, traveling, living all these places. I, I'm from Florida, and that's where I've lived the most of my life, but... I traveled and lived all these places. And so my friends growing up were of all races. Like in elementary school, my best friend was white. Like I had other friends, like when I lived in the States, I did have a black best friend, but like when I lived overseas in some of those places, the best friend that I had was white and we were together all the time. And then, um, you know, I had black friends, my parents had black friends. And so I was around black people, but I was always around a different group of people. So when I moved back to my hometown, I went to a high school that was majority black. Um, the white kids that were at the school were mostly because they were in the IB program, but I was in the IB program. Um, and so the IB program is international baccalaureate program. So it's like the advanced program, like over AP in high school. Oh, okay. Go crazy. (laughs) So I was in the IB program. So with that, even in class. I still was around like a variety, like the Asian kids, a few black kids, you know, I may have been the only black kid, white kids, you know, it was still what I was used to. Um, And then, you know, I would have friends outside of that friend group and they'd be like, well, how come we never have class with you? How can we never see you? Or, you know, how come? And it was because I was in that program. But then from the black side of it, because I used proper English, and because I wasn't allowed to say certain things and do certain things, they were like, yeah. why do you talk white? Did you go to a private yeah. school? Like, I was almost made fun of because I used proper English. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, I feel a black girl. I lived overseas. So, yes, I may be a little bit behind on the latest fashion or the latest songs, right. but I'm still a black girl. Like, I have came back here every yeah. summer. I went to elementary school with some of you guys. And so it was still feeling yeah. like, well, dang, I'm with black people. And I'm still not black yeah. enough. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. and then, so I ended up going to FAMU. And yeah. when I, the crazy thing is, um, I went to FAMU and actually, if I'm being honest, when I first got there, I was like, Ugh, I don't know about this. It's too many black people yeah. because I was yeah. not used to being around so many black people 
all the time yeah. everybody looked like me that just wasn't the norm it was like out of my comfort yeah. zone not necessarily that I felt scared it just wasn't something that I was used to but I'm right. so glad that I went there and then I went back to FAMU for grad school too like I learned yeah. so much about myself it made me have so much more respect and understanding things that I just would have never known and just seeing so many black people trying to do better wanting better for themselves right. and even those people that were in Tallahassee that weren't in school it was like still you're around these people that are going to school and you're still learning and gaining experiences leaving home doing other things you know so it was just an amazing experience and it's something that like I, when I have kids I, I you're going to HBCU you know I fam you is where you need to go but you're going to HBCU because there's nothing like it like you'll have so much appreciation for yourself and the crazy thing is and yeah. going to HBCU it's almost like People start getting annoyed with your like love for black people, you know, like outside people. It's like, oh, here this girl go again. Black lives matter. It's all you into, you know. Yeah. People get annoyed yeah. with your pro blackness. No, for sure. And then thinking back, kind of playing off of what you said, thinking about how you got were so uncomfortable when you first got there. But for me, I'm realizing that a lot of my discomfort stemmed from insecurity, like. I was always, you know, this idea of um, because I don't, when everybody's rapping the Carter Three, I don't, I don't know the words. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, okay, okay, okay. I got you. you no, know, just like an outsider to certain cultural things. Like you said, I didn't see Friday certain certain movies till I got way older, like a freshman in college. So I felt like they're gonna pin me as an imposter. Yeah, because people that's... crack jokes because it's like I may have seen the movie, but these kids have been watching it since at least people have been watching it since elementary yeah. school. So they know all the jokes. And then I may watch yeah. it again as an adult and be like, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah. And it's like I've seen it, but I don't know it through and through because I not because I didn't want to. I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. And it was a journey for me, like knowing and realizing and accepting myself and knowing that blackness doesn't only function one way. Like, just because I didn't have the exact same experiences doesn't, Deja, you are still a black woman. You are entitled to be in this space, too, and knowing and feeling secure in myself to go. And when I go, like, in, in college, because there were so many different types of black people, um, I felt more like, okay, no, there are black people who like Harry Potter yeah. here. There are black people who like the fray, like... Blackness doesn't have to look like just one thing. There are so many different types of black people within this community. So I think that's when I started to, to, to feel and recognize that. But I'm skipping ahead. So when I first got to college, I'm thinking, okay, now I'm in just a normal, quote unquote, place, right? Mm. And my view of normal was so warped because growing up, you're seeing Degrassi on TV. Oh, that's the normal high school. Mm -hmm. um, life of the American teenager on TV. You're seeing the Twilight High School. You're like, okay. But all of that is shaped in whiteness. But you yeah. don't, you know that subconsciously, but you don't know that consciously, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to K-State thinking, okay, now I won't be the you're, an, you're the outsider to the culture. I'll be accepted into the culture, but that no <laughs> that was not the case so it's just like that feeling of going into a lecture hall of 100 kids and you one of two black kids you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah going into um 
your theater program and you're one of three black people in the program and it's like damn like every time I look up like I thought I would feel welcome here I thought this would be the place where I fit in culturally but that's feeling like it's not the case and then I would say one of the largest turning points for me was I remember um going out with some of my theater friends and again this program was mostly white but I was a theater major so it's like okay we're all a part of the same crew I go out and we end up going to a frat house again only black girl um people are we're chilling we're vibing um they're singing a rap song a nigga comes out everybody looking at me um and it's like why am I being put into these positions yeah I go to I'm not gonna lie make out with a boy in his room and before we get there there's like a living room and hung up is a big ass confederate flag I'm like what why am I here what the fuck yeah it's like oh no my room my roommate's just from Texas it's not a big deal but it's no it is a big just, deal this this is yeah. all about this is all about slavery this this is what this all, yeah. is all about but at the time I grew up in a, like in like an 80 percent black neighborhood at like an 80 percent black school so we I haven't had these conversations before I don't know I know I'm un, I'm uncomfortable but I, I'm at the point where I don't have enough knowledge to where I can be I can be gaslit yeah you know what I'm saying yeah so we uh, I end up kissing this boy. We make out. He ends up leaving because I don't want to have sex with him, I, I, which I'm assuming. When he kept trying to prompt me to have sex, I'm like, no, I'm not trying to do that. He ended up saying he had to go. Um, and when I am gathering my things with my friends to go, somebody walks by the room and yells, uh, Igor Licker. So I, they're referring to the boy. And I'm like, am I the Igor who just got licked? <laughs> What like I what what do I say? What do I do now? Right. So I I I start like I start yelling and screaming like what the fuck like no y'all got me like I'm going off and my friends are like it's not worth it Deja it's not worth it and I'm like why am I even here like I where's the black people bro I got yeah yeah my people so it's like that was like okay. You can like Harry Potter and your ass is still a nigga. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. At the end of the... And you know, because then it turns into yeah. being the only black kid in the class turns in. You're not like the rest of them. Yes, yeah, I am. Uh, yes, I am. Well, you're different. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm just as black uh, as them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what and it then, ends up being. And then it's like, well, uh, we know her and she's she's cool. She's cool. Oh, oh who's yeah. this? Oh, she's cool. Yeah, like, this is an okay girl. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be anybody's exception. Yeah, um, and like that kind of sparked something with me in me, and then I was taking a, a class at the same time, and the class was called Intro to American Ethnic Studies, um, and that class literally like shifted my whole trajectory, my whole frame of mind, like because at, at this point I had not had anything about critical race like thinking about race critically like you know you get taught oh the colonies george washington was a good guy yeah we happened a time ago we don't get Martin the other side yeah <laughs> so i'm thinking so they they start introducing me to these concepts and like really breaking it down and we're having more and more conversations and i'm like oh oh so this is what's Oh, so this is what's going on that I missed out on. You know, yeah. I remember, I'll never forget. Um, and all the black kids would sit in the same, in the very 
okay, Deja, you're a part of the small community, even within this classroom, you know, and I, I remember one day, um, we were having some sort of conversations about, um, the ways that we experience race. And there was somebody from Kansas city there. Keep in mind, again, I go to a predominantly white high or uh, went to a predominantly black high school. And she was like, yeah, um, our school was supposed to cheer at your school. But a lot of my um, friends were saying they didn't want to go because they were afraid of getting shanked. And it just, the things like, (laughs) I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe these ain't my people. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah, my people. And, and what is the history of black people in America? What is what is this thing called whiteness? Why did I think white was normal when I it was never normal for somebody who looked like me? Like this was never the normal experience. I for think somebody. we grow up not necessarily feeling like they're one of them, but you're one of them, but like feeling equal until you get snapped yeah. out of it. Yeah. Like and that's and that's what going to an HBCU do because you're required to yeah. take African American history, you're required to take Black psychology, you're required to take all these. All your teachers are Black. Majority of your teachers are African, wearing dashikis to class. Like you're required. Yeah. We have a Black archives. We have all this Black, Black, Black. So it's like you don't have a choice but to learn a little bit of something. <laughs> And it was like, wow, I never knew this side of it. I never understood this side of it. I never, like, it's really, like, shocking to see. And then it's like, I I was a school counselor, but these last couple of months, I taught U.S. history. And a lot of what I was teaching in history was aligning with what was going on in the world. But it was just like, learn having those conversations with the kids that are now, I guess, I don't really like to use the term, but kids now are more woke. Um, and maybe yeah. it's because they're having younger parents and because a lot of those students, yeah. those eighth grade students, parents were my age. And so they were having given their kids knowledge. But it was like we were yeah. able to have more dialogue than I ever had in school yeah. or like we didn't test on slavery. We te- we had to teach on slavery, but it wasn't on the test. And the kids were like, well, how come right. we didn't have to test on slavery? I said, that's what you need to ask people. That's why you need. Well, how come we don't do this? That's why you need to get in those positions so that you can make the decision about what should be learned. And we already seen these laws changing you know yeah, to, 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 yeah yeah and then it even made me think about you because I think I loved what I loved about teaching and I said I never wanted to teach was that I felt like I was able to do my counselor role to so many more people and open up people's eyes but the kids you know I had the cool kids but I also the not so cool kids would talk to me the ones that wear chokers the ones that were emo the ones yeah. that were you know the yeah. white kids the black kids all of those kids would talk to me and some of the cool kids would be like um, oh, you talk to so-and-so or, and I'm like, stop judging people by how they look because if you have a conversation with them, they're actually not who you think they are. So then it would be like some of those other kids that weren't the popular kids would start coming over and join the conversation or make them sit next to each other yeah. or make them have yeah. a conversation. And then it kind of became like a little melting pot, even though she has this dark eyeliner on and rhinestones glued to the side of her face. Does it mean that you can't have a conversation with this person and make them feel normal just because they're black and they don't look like you? And then I had kids telling me, "You this, I'm in a class with all the popular kids. But at first, this girl would never say anything to me. And this kid was wearing chokers, skulls, like, you know, like these combat boots. They called her Tuesday from the Adams family. This, this girl. But she came out of her shell and she started, you know, talking to me because I made her feel comfortable in who she was. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems. People don't let people feel comfortable in who they are. They, they're judging them. 
for who they think they should be versus letting them just be who they are. Right. Or like that. And this is, I, I need to do a series on this actually, or that you automatically assume that when, when black people dress alternatively, it's an inherent rejection of their blackness, mm. right? When their reality is not all black people who wear chokers and uh, eyeliner and combat boots and have this like goth aesthetic or this alt aesthetic are seeking after whiteness. There's plenty of pro-black alt people. But plenty I also think that in the black community, people associate goth with the devil. Hell yeah, that part too. They okay, they associate it with oh, this is dark. This is the devil. Uh-huh. This uh-huh. is this is witchcraft, yeah. and it's like Ooh, I just yeah. like the shirt. <laughs> I just think it's cool. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to worship the devil. You know, I just like right. the shirt. You know, uh, she be doing that voodoo, that that witchcraft. Oh yeah, no. Uh huh. I didn't think about the way that it played into. Um, religion and, and black Christianity too because a lot of us I think black people have amongst the highest devotion to Christianity mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 90% sure I read I, I read that black Americans I would believe like that a, yeah yeah it's just and I feel like back back in the day it was just assumed talking to another black person that they were Christian it yeah. was just assumed yeah. Um, but now, as I'm getting older, we're having more of those conversations and we're kind of diver- diversifying a little bit more. So, yeah, no, I didn't. Th- and I think it was always unaccepted. And that's where I yeah. um, I think I battled with people because I felt like whatever you believe in is your business. Like, yeah. why do you care? You don't get to decide at the end of the day whether you think that this person is going to heaven or hell. That decision is not up to you. Right. So why do you care what they choose to believe in? And so that was like a right. constant battle of like, you know, you'll see the little coexist bumper stickers. Uh-huh. And I'm like, let them do what works for them. And that oh, was yeah. not necessarily accepted. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Ultimately, Ooh, though, all religions bottom line is like be a good person, essentially. From my experience, that's what I've understood. So that that's, yeah. that that's that's definitely crazy. That's definitely crazy how it plays a role. But I definitely think that just what we're expected to be or what is the quote unquote norm is like the standard that we're always held to. So when you you know when you veer off from that, it's like wait a minute, what's going on? What are you doing? I'm not accepting mm. of this. Whether it's you know, the music you listen to or how you dress or your hair or, you know, just every, your body type, your skin tone. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that that was definitely my journey and kind of coming into myself and kind of finding out about, you know, my relation to my blackness and, and the way that my blackness relates to the world and okay how does blackness relates to the world relate to the world in a u.s sense or you know what i'm saying just having those conversations about systems of oppression and what they look like today and where they came from um and it it, it shapes a lot of the or almost all <laughs> of, of the beliefs i have today and sometimes i even get a little um 
in, insecure now because like I'm using my platform to denounce a lot of stuff yeah. and it's like well you you used to be um you used to hang out with all white people you used to date white men you used to you used to you know so it's like when don't talk to me about what I used to do talk to yeah. me about what I'm doing right now like okay and yeah let's let's yeah but that's not what I'm doing right now you used to do a lot of yeah. things <laughs> But people won't say that. People just, we feel yeah. bad when people call us out for how we used to be instead of being like, yeah. okay. How did I, but what, at what point did I have that wake? Like people are not allowed to have a wake up. Yeah. Like people are allowed to have a, ooh, ooh, okay. What was, what was I thinking about? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's like, if you grow up in a very white, growing up in a, in a white centric country, in a, misogynist country we're all bound to internalize some things mm-hmm. a lot of if you if you just go just go about and coast on the stream a lot of the things that you're going to learn are going to be anti-black a lot of the things that you're you learn are going to be have roots in misogyny right have roots in homophobia and it's not until we start actively unlearning this stuff like challenging some of the narratives that have been fed into us that we get to realize like oh take take the wool off like let me start what do i think you know yeah and yeah I, so that that, I, that makes I, me that makes me think about when i was in this class um at famu i had a teacher and she hated me but um <laughs> we uh we were having a conversation about like a headline and it was like the first black woman da 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 and I was like, I don't want that as a title. I want to have the same label as any other person because I don't want that extra praise because I was black and you didn't think I was could do it. And she was like, you're embarrassed of where you came from. You're embarrassed of who you are. And I was like, no, don't try to single me out because, oh, we didn't think she could do it. But in thinking about that, I want to know what's, what's your take on that? How do you feel about having that label of first black woman did da-da-da-da-da, black woman da-da-da versus whoever did yada 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 and not having to label put those labels out there i can see it going both ways i i definitely understand your point though i feel like it's valid like how in a way could this almost be patronizing like oh my god they did something you know what i'm saying yeah that's how i felt about it oh my god they they actually did it like i see how that could be patronizing or at the same token I, I was, somebody recently tagged me in a post that was like, what, it was a white man, and it was like a a stitch, and the, the original video was, what would you do if black women disappeared from the world for 24 hours, um, Mm. and then the stitch was a white man using a, motorized scooter at the store so i'm assuming the joke was black women always take up the motorized scooters unnecessarily and in the comments it was a bunch of just like disparaging shit like oh i would be able to get my fast food on time I would oh get my just a- god so black women are stopping you from doing that are, are about, you know what i'm saying the only thing that we put is negative there's this perception that or you know just like black women not being valued for what what we do contribute Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying oh we're just this we're just that we don't really or and one that that stuck out to me is i wouldn't do anything different y'all are are not as important as y'all think y'all are so i think like 
black nah this is a black woman the, the same black woman y'all shit on the same it's like giving y'all. you props it could be giving you props black. like yeah i'm black and i did it so yeah i could see yeah. it i could yeah. see it from that side I <laughs> and that's me that's me also growing up and and yeah. learning about perspective and being able so i was like you know what let me ask her what she thinks about this let me ask her her opinion yeah. on this because I, I i did feel like no don't try to don't try to act yeah. like oh she did it and yay I, let's give her a cookie yeah. but it also gonna be like yeah black i did it and i'm black, black you didn't think i could do it, it. So let me let me let you know I'm black and I did this. So it could be either way. I could see it either way. Yeah. No, and I but I definitely see where you're coming you're coming from too and how it can it, it really can tilter uh both ways based on your per- perspective. But I, I think we're still at a point to where people try to undercredit black women for the things that they give to to society. You know what I'm saying? Yeah various ways in which we contribute meaningfully um but it's like at the same time is it our job to try to constantly prove to people what our value is Definitely. i don't know <laughs> and it's proving to other people and also honestly sometimes proving to your families like sometimes people get annoyed with pro-blackness as crazy as it yeah. sounds and so yeah. it, even sometimes it's not only battling the world it's sometimes battling your family who feels like and it's also I think sometimes you have to battle your family because they have lived in this oppressed world for so long and they have yeah. been just got like you know they just got accustomed <laughs> to like we're just gonna have the doo-doo end of the stick for life yeah you don't like, yeah. you know, just tuck your tail to keep the peace. And it makes me so happy because, you know, in working in education, I see so many kids of so many races being like, my parents are racist, but I don't agree with that. My parents like such and such, but I don't think that's right. I feel like da 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 da. And honestly, as crazy as it is, I think the um, the more publicity on the LGBTQ community and things like that, and people wanted to be accepted in those realms, I think opened yeah. up a little bit more people's eyes of like, well, maybe other people who are different should be accepted too. So I think that has kind of helped a little bit in opening up people's eyes. But I think that um, the kids today are more willing to say wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter. Oh. Uh, wrong is wrong and right is right. Whereas before, I think like it's like our grandparents, if a white person or, you know, if they spit in their face, they would just have to take it. Then maybe our parents may have said, you know, don't do that or talk junk, but then may, maybe not have taken it too, too far. Where, and, or yeah. may, but, and then maybe my generation, I'm 29, maybe they would have cussed them out. But the kids now are going to slap that person in the face and, and let them know, like, no, I'm not going for that. This is not going to happen anymore. So it's seeing the change in people being willing to, like, stand up for themselves and not just be disrespected just because of the color of their skin. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely think that we're we're getting more so to that point. Like, you know, you think about the the civil rights movement. It was a push, but it was a push as far as like we're we want to prove to you that we're re- respectful and 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 worthy. So, like with the okay, we're nonviolent. We're in our Sunday best. We're um, we're doing things to show you that we're peacefully, civilly getting what we want. And I, I and I see the value in that, but I also see the value in fuck that. 
respectful, non-respectful. You don't have to like me. You don't have you don't have to like what I'm wearing. You don't like to have to. You don't have to like the way I'm presenting the message. But you don't have I'm to like valuable. me, but you will respect me. Khalees has a song that says that you don't have to yeah. like me, but you will, but respect, you will me. respect me. Uh, yeah, it's the I'm bossy song, that. but that's literally how it is. Like that's fine. Yeah. That's cool. But you're not going to yeah. talk to me crazy. Like, I can respect right. you. You know, there's no beef. There's no problem. You didn't do anything to me. But you're not about to disrespect me. I, I, I listened to something today, and it was talking about black women need to stop moving over for other women. And it made me check myself um, and realize the things I've been doing lately. It's ta- it, they mentioned how black women will move out of the way for people in the grocery store that will try to walk right through them. And I've caught myself, prior to listening to this, over the past year, I've caught myself almost being walked straight through. And someone may have been like, oh, you're not going to move out the way. I'm like, she saw me standing here. You're just going to walk straight through me. I have to move out the way and you're coming full speed. She can say, excuse me. Otherwise, we're just going to bump into each other. And I, I thought about, but I was a person who would move out the way, move out, and the person would be coming. I'm like, hey, they're coming full speed. Like, they got the green light. I'm not stopping. Get out of my way. And I would move. Just y'all move around. Yeah, this entitlement, entitlement to the space, for sure. It, and we've always to to be expected to just accommodate and move around. And, and that says a, a power dynamics yeah. for sure. And I'm not saying that it's all people, and I'm not saying that all we, white people are disrespectful or do those things, but these are things that are happening in this world. Yeah. And this is yeah. something that we have to speak on. I think sometimes people feel embarrassed because they may know people that are white and they don't want to offend them or they feel like, well, this person doesn't treat me this way, but you don't treat me this way, but that doesn't mean that that's not my experience with other people. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that it's not a, a, a pattern or a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely sure. think that's sometimes it stops people from speaking out because they don't want to offend others. So they allow themselves to keep being offended in an effort to not offend other people. Oh no, we, we definitely have to get out of that for sure. For sure. I have to, this, this idea of, I have to accommodate to meet everybody else's needs. And I, I think it's always been because it was, that was always the safest route as a black person choose your battles and there's been moments broke out against that like during the black power movement which is not perfect in and of itself but during the black power movement it was like it was a whole moment a whole moment of i refuse to to make you comfortable i refuse to bend over to make you comfortable i'm done with that you know what i'm saying if if my black hair upsets you then be upset if me defending myself upsets you then you can be upset but i'm gonna do me but i don't think that's been a long, a very long and common narrative in the history of pe- black people feeling like they can do that openly without consequence. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. But I think that in learning more about myself, learn, learning more about my culture, learning more about who I am as a black person and learning more of my history, it makes me feel almost safer. Like I feel comfortable like in who I am by having the knowledge and I, and everyone will understand, 
But it's like the more that you open yourself up and the more that you learn and the more that you dig in. That's why I was like, I said I never wanted to be a, t a teacher, but I'm so grateful that I had that experience because it forced yeah. me to dig into things, to learn, to pay attention, to understand, to find out more, to really dig right. in deep to what was going on and showing kids and making kids. Ha I love having dialogue in class because the kids are uh, thinking some of these things that teachers are. I loved it because the kids would say what I wasn't supposed to. Uh-huh. If you say it, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> the kids would say it. You know, you may have someone being disrespectful, yeah. but another kid would eat that kid up. And I would always yeah. be, one of my rules was, y'all can disagree, but keep it respectful. You can say yeah. what you need to say, but you're not going to disrespect them. You're not going to downgrade them. You're not going to mistreat them. My first rule is respect. We don't down talk people. We don't do that. And they knew it. They knew it. They knew that was my rule. So that's fine. And I would tell kids, if that's how you feel, stand on that. Stand on how you feel. Don't back down if that's how you feel, but be willing to listen to that other person's perspective and then maybe your mind will change. You don't have to change your mind, but be willing to listen because you'll never learn if you always think that you're always right. If everybody is always agreeing with you, how are you going to grow if you never hear anything different? Just like in me asking you that question, now all these years later, eight years later, maybe eight, seven, yeah. eight years later, now I'm having to see the other side of it. But at that time, I was yeah. like, no, I don't want that. But yeah. now I'm like, it could be like, I'm black and I did it. Look, ha ha, yeah. I did this and yeah. everyone didn't think I could. I'm achieving this yeah. and I'm a black woman and I, we weren't even allowed to, you know, we had no rights and now look at me shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a testament, a testament to our journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and that's that's so important. I, and I think it's so valuable that you're having or, you know, you and people like you are having those conversations to where it's like open conversation. Let's hear it out in a respectful way. And you never know the ways in which you may grow, because it's it, it, we would be flawed to say that you've always been right about everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nobody's always been right about everything. That's a human thing. So it's like, unless you take the time to challenge your thoughts and hear somebody else, like you said, then then how will you ever continue to have those moments of realization of, oh, may, maybe I don't think this way. Yeah, and, <laughs> and be, I've been taught something wrong. Yeah, and be, yeah. being willing to have those conversations because I know yeah. I worked at a school with, I was one of four or five black people that worked at the school. But, you know, Ooh, they were nice not. to me and they, they, <laughs> they took me under their wing. They invited me to their Taco Tuesdays and whatever else. And I, I gravitated to one little group and then we, some of them were married to a black man or whatever else or, you know, but then um, we started having conversations and we talked about, she was saying, um, like, she grew up in a town and she didn't see a black person until she was in high school. And, you know, the, just the experiences that she had, even though she always thought, you know, like, even though she didn't, even though she grew up in a town, like they never, her family never felt any way. They were never taught to, you know, dislike anyone. She was like, but I didn't even see any black people until I was in high school. And then we started talking about life experiences because she said her mom wanted to adopt a black child, but she said her oh, mom, Lord. she said her mom said the world is not ready for that. And she said she didn't understand it until she got older and she was babysitting a black kid and all the stares and looks and stuff that she got from having this black kid as a white woman, she said from both races. She's like, I didn't understand it. And I was like, you know, even though I'm appreciative, if a white family is willing to adopt a black child and that child is sitting in an orphanage and that child is in foster care, please take that child, love that child, treat that child well. However, you 
don't know what it's like because you don't have those experiences and you haven't heard those stories. And so I explained to her, I said, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you're in that situation. I was like, let me tell you about my 2020 experience, something that happened in 2020 that's still going on today, something that's scared. I'm from Panama City, Florida, which is a small town and it's pretty racist. Um, the yeah. kids in high school, they came to school um, with shotguns in their on their trucks oh, and their hell, cowboy no. boots. And not saying that they were mistreating us, but that's like, you know, that's, that's what I... That was the atmosphere. You know, and so... Um, on the way back, on the way from, on the way back to Panama City, there's a small town called Quincy, and um, Bluntstown are the places. And what they would say was like, growing up, we were always told like, don't speed through here. Make sure that you always have your seatbelt on. Don't drive through here at night. Be safe. Make sure you're paying attention when you're driving through this area. And I got a flat tire in that area, oh and I was so scared. And I went into a store and there was two young white girls and I said, is there a man here? Is there someone that can help me? And she's like, well, we're here by ourselves, but we can call her dad. And in my heart, I felt, please tell your dad I'm black. That's what I felt. Right. Please, no I didn't say it, yeah, but that's no, how I felt. No please tell your dad, please tell your dad I'm black. He was the nicest, kindest person. He did everything I needed from him. He plugged my tire. He bought the stuff. Him and his wife came down. They were the sweetest, nice, nicest people. But I was so scared. Yeah. And I was like, you don't know what that feels like. You don't yeah. know what it's like to be afraid to get help because of the color of your skin. Hell yeah. And not knowing what, what their immediate reaction is going to be when they walk up on you, for sure. So it is a crazy experience to be a black girl living in a white world. Yeah. Knowing how yeah. people feel about you. Right. And if you do make that decision, not realizing that just loving the kid is just loving the kid is not enough like you have to make that active educate yourself to ed educate yourself yeah <laughs> you can you can love that child all in the world but if you don't see them and in some of the experiences that they're gonna have and some of the ways that they need to be instilled into differently than a, a white child or a child of a different race then you're doing that that child a disservice yeah for sure. Definitely have to For educate sure. yourself. Yeah. Well, I know I took up a lot of your time. We said 15, 20 no. minutes. I took up a lot <laughs> of your time. But I really appreciate you. It's been an amazing conversation. Just seeing the different side of it and where we do relate. Um, of, like I said, you know, being a black girl, living in this world, being different or having different viewpoints or having different experiences. Um, so before we head out, I want to know if you have, well, go ahead and give the listeners some advice that you have to us going forward. And then you can shout yourself out on any social media platforms. Um, you can go ahead and do that now. Um, my advice going forward is give yourself grace um, give yourself grace. Be open to learning. Um, you you don't know what you don't know till you realize it. Like we were saying about some of our old beliefs, some of the ways that we used to think. You don't know until you know. So just don't don't shame yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Learn more. Do more. And continue to grow um, is my biggest thing that I've learned so far. Um, my biggest social media, or the one that I use most frequently right now, is. Deja, D-A-I-J-A-H underscore B-L-U-U -U, um, on TikTok. So feel free to follow me for some um, relationship stuff, for some um, anti-racist slash American ethnic studies stuff. Um, yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you helping me out with my first couple of episodes that I'm going to be launching. So um, I definitely hope I can have you on the show again soon. Heck yeah, I'm down. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Good Vibe Shy for all podcast updates. Remember to love and be gentle to yourself and keep those good vibes flowing.